0: Welcome back to the 12-6 Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Colin McHugh. Thank you guys so much for your patience this season. I know episodes have been few and far between, but between our second kid and my stints on the injured list, free time has been very scarce. But today's guest is one that I've been trying to get for a long time now, Astros reliever Will Harris. He's been my teammate for five years now, and his story is one that if you're a fan of baseball, or underdogs or lsu you need to hear you know we talk about his early days as a little league phenom his winding journey through pro ball and his worst offseason jobs as always make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you're always up to date when new episodes air and leave us a review let us know how we can make this thing better all right so without further ado i hope you all enjoy today's conversation with will harris Well, thanks for being here, man.
1: Yeah, we've been trying to do this for uh, a few months, maybe even a year now. So it's good to finally get get on the show.
0: I'm very, very good at procrastinating when it comes to this. <laughs> I told Charlie <laughs> Wharton that I was going to do it for about six months, and then we finally did it six months later at his house because he badgered me over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, that's the freedom of podcasts. Is you know you can kind of do them on your own time, release them on your own time, edit them on your own time. So it's uh... that's right.
0: I don't have a I don't have like a overarching company making sure that I'm Sticking to timetables or anything, I'm very much my own producer. <laughs> yeah, that's say, that's,
1: that's my tiny little setup
0: here, yeah, hotel with, rooms.
1: With our schedule, man, it's doing things on your own time is pretty uh, is rare. <laughs> so uh, getting a chance to do that is nice.
0: <laughs> people have asked me a lot about you um, uh, when I'm on the road, and people talk to me about the podcast. They're like, "Who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? Who are you going to get?" And one of the many people that come up. Um, very often is you. Uh, one of the reasons is because you've been with the Astros now for five years, so you're kind of a staple on the team. Also, your story is really interesting of how you got here, how you came up through the through the minor leagues, through college, even all the way back down to to little league. Um, but I, I want to kind of start there um, if it's cool with you. And and you grew up in Slidell, Louisiana, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Slido, You know, played little league ball there and high school ball and stuff like that, and then went on to LSU. But yeah, I guess it's kind of an underdog story, I guess you'd say. I mean, I always thought that I was, you know, pretty good at baseball growing up, but uh, but you know, injuries and things like that throughout my career. uh, You know, I wasn't like a first round draft pick or anything like that. You know, kind of like yourself. You know, anytime you're, you know, not in those first couple rounds and you make it you're kind of an underdog story oh, yeah. in this profession so so yeah i think maybe that's why people kind of like it you know just a a humble guy from a humble background that uh that was able to to make it and kind of carve out a little career um for myself so i don't take it for granted
0: but you your story starts pretty early you yeah you were an underdog when you came up through the through the minor league system but when you started out you and your brother were legends yeah
1: we were both pretty good yeah you know little league legends uh back in uh the slide l days um yeah my older brother was uh just a really talented baseball player at a really young age and believe it or not my grandma used to carry uh our birth certificates in her purse (laughs) and we would go to play tournaments and people wouldn't believe that clay you know or i was the age that the, the division we were playing in. Were
0: you bigger and better than everyone else? Yeah, and
1: Clay really was, though. Like, Clay was, like, a different level than I was. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you know, he was just a big kid that threw really hard and hit the ball really farther than everybody else, and they were like, no way, this kid's 11. <laughs> and my grandma's <laughs> like, well, I have his birth certificate right here. <laughs> and it's the way it went for him. Uh, yeah, and then... So he kind of carved it out for me. You know, he did the whole Little League thing in L before me. He went to... You know, slide all high before me. Went to LSU before me. Went to couple, pro ball. Couple
0: years between you guys.
1: It was one grade, two okay. years. Right. Yeah, so I was young for my grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. So it was kind of being able to watch him do everything first. I think is a big reason why I had the success that I had because, you know, I kind of knew what to expect around every turn. I already kind of knew what was waiting. So, but yeah, you know, it was great. You know, just 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 playing ball and playing wiffle ball. You know, I have a younger brother, Dylan in no different, you know, so it was, uh, it was great.
0: It's always really interesting to me because since you've been in the Astros, you've played now with two guys that you grew up playing with as well, playing like little at your travel ball or whatever it was coming up and Tony Sip and now Wade Miley. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a unique thing. I feel like not many people get to do that in the big leagues.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's very true. And I actually played with Xavier Paul in the big leagues in, uh, in Arizona and me and Xavier have been playing since you were seven. Wow. You know, all stars high school, the whole thing. He got drafted out of, out of high school by the Dodgers. So, we, you know, we never got a chance to play each other or with each other in college. But, but yeah, it's kind of a rare thing. You know, it was a hotbed for baseball where I grew up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a really highly populated area. Now, it's not as, you know, rule is where Wade's from. Right. But uh but yeah, I mean there's just a lot of baseball there in those New Orleans suburbs mm-hmm. and uh there's a lot of good athletes, even other sports, football, uh basketball, yeah. things like that. But people down there, they love their sports, they take them seriously and uh it produces a lot of talent.
0: Playing in Texas, you know, we we always hear about oh Texas, Texas sports is a huge thing. It's a big deal, football, basketball, baseball. Same thing in California, same thing in Florida, um, but where I'm from in Georgia and where you're from in Louisiana tends to put out some of the most elite athletes, In I wouldn't say that either of us are particularly elite athletes, right. but we've done pretty well for ourselves in, in baseball, but uh, I think in the, in the giant scope of things, like you're saying, there's some really good athletes that come out of the South in general. And uh, Louisiana and Georgia, Alabama, mm-hmm. being in Mississippi. We've played on a lot of guys from, from Mississippi, South Mississippi.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Corey Dickerson played uh, you know, he was not far from where we were from. He played in the same summer ball program. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these guys. I mean Logan Morrison, like there's a long list of, right. of, of uh of guys that have played uh for that uh for that program that me and Tony and Wade uh played for. And um yeah, it's just it made us all better, you know, playing with all these guys. You know, it's fun to, you know, sit down with like the Brian McCann's over the last couple of years when he was with us and and go over these tournaments, you know, <laughs> and, like, go through the names of guys that we played against and played with. The old and rosters they, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. from high school days. And 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 it's also kind of fun to think, you know, we're both sitting there it's like, and we're still playing.
0: How in the world, yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, and a lot of those guys had good careers and, and, and did really well. But, you know, me and Brian and, you know, and guys like Charlie Morton and some of these guys that are, 34, 35 years old, and, you know, we still putting on a jersey. It's pretty neat. Still
0: doing it. Yeah, it's crazy to think that, you know, you've come so far. I was never the best at any level I played at. Never. On any teams that I played I never played travel ball growing up. Not until I got to college and I got to go to to Cape Cod, you know, by chance, uh, did I really see kind of what the other level of talent was that was out there. And so I always felt like the underdog. I always felt kind of this imposter syndrome idea like i shouldn't be here like what am i doing here i shouldn't be here and yet here here i am 32 years old you're 34 35 years mm-hmm. old and it's, it's you're still here we're still playing still kicking it
1: yeah yeah it's a lot of a lot of breaks along the way you know i tell people all the time like that ask me hey what does it take to be to pitch in the big leagues what does it takes to do whatever and i'm like well i was like we're all really talented and we all played with guys growing up and in minor league baseball that were equally as talented to us that it didn't work out for. Right. And so the things that I always go to is like, man, it is all about health and timing. <laughs> it's all about being in the right place at the right time. And not only that, but being healthy at the right time. Right. That allows you to break through. Cause so many guys when their time came, you know, were hurt mm-hmm. or, <clears throat> or were doing and playing really well and putting up numbers, but the timing wasn't right. Cause there was people ahead of them and things like that. So, right. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a big part of, of of like I said, just being healthy at the right time allows you, you know, more doors open up.
0: And we we've talked about this a little bit before, but speaking of timing, the the idea between going to college out of high school to, to continue playing ball or going straight to straight to Pro Ball to play, and how you can really tell the guys who went to college versus the guys who went to high school in a lot of cases. Um, as they're coming up through, the, especially as they're coming up through the minor leagues. As you get to the big leagues, you've I feel like you've had enough pro baseball experience at that point to kind of even things out, but um, you and your brother both went to LSU out of, out of high school, even though both good prospects, both probably could have had a chance to go play immediately in pro ball, but um, talk to me about going to college versus, and that experience versus Maybe the guys that you've seen who skipped college.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think college is that hap is that happy median of like you're on your own, but you're still being told what to do, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so like you still have to be places, you still have to get up in the morning, go to wait. you have to go to class, you're still monitored by adults, but not by your parents per se. You know, you're still living on your own and, and things like that. So, I think it, it's that it's that good learning process of okay, how do I? conduct myself on my own you know i have to be responsible i have to still be places and if i'm not in those places when i'm supposed to be there's going to be consequences and things like that so uh and then you know you're you're being around older players and right. things like that, guys that you know have, have been in college ball for a few years that can take you under your wing and kind of show you what it's like to, to – especially at a program like LSU that's so successful and it's run a lot like a professional uh, program where there's so many good players and it's so competitive. When you get there, like you're not just the starting – second baseman when you show up yeah like you have to earn it and every
0: know? year there's there's, and another year crop year there's coming coming more and more yeah. guys
1: you know so it's super 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 competitive and you feel that when you get there like you feel that pressure when you get there and when i was there i can't i don't know how it is now but when i was there like the coaches and staff they put a lot of pressure on you as a freshman very very early on to try and get you ready for playing in front of eight to 10,000 fans, you know, being 18 years old, like none of nobody's ever, you'd have never done that before. No, And so, and so they try and put that pressure on you in practice and inner squads and things like that to see who could handle it, to see who, you know, had the, you know, the mental capacity to, uh, to be able to perform under those, you know, those types of pressure. So it really helped me like I said before all those reasons cuz it only gets more then you get in the pro ball and right. now you're pitching for your livelihood and your paychecks and your family and things like that and then you get to the big leagues and so I think starting that process at 18 years old or for me 17 years old allowed me to you know help me get through uh, the grind of the minor yeah. leagues and of the big leagues. It never stops. Right. You know, like...
0: <laughs> it just keeps going. Yeah, it just
1: keeps going. It's <laughs> never like, oh, I made it. Let's put my feet up and uh, this is easy now. Like, facing, you know, big league lineups on a day, you know, daily basis is... It's not easy. And, and it's then, a grind.
0: <laughs> and then you're... Uh, exactly how you did it work is put on everywhere in, in the media correct you get so to watch can, it yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. knows you sit exactly down at you restaurant and it's displayed over and over <laughs> again there and it's like oh yeah
1: here. I'm about to give up another home run uh, <laughs> there it is there yep it
0: is. uh-huh <laughs> you're looking around to make sure nobody notices who you that's are right. Yep. that's right happens uh, all the time it doesn't worry uh, it doesn't bother me because i'm just a normal white guy with brown hair i look like everybody else and so <laughs> they're,
1: they're like blend in
0: I get more, you look a lot like Colin McHugh than actually like, oh, you're Colin McHugh because people aren't really convinced. They're like, you have a generic face, I think. <laughs> you look like a lot of people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a bigger guy. I stick out a little bit more. But uh, but I always get like in, in person, hey, you're just a lot thinner. <laughs> you know? And so it's like I'm glad the portrait of the world gets to see of <laughs> me as like... A little bit more overweight version. The of The camera myself. adds a ten right, pounds, right? So that's what I get all the time. You know, at signings or whatever public uh, speaking stuff. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, you're not as like," and I can tell they they want to say like, "You're not as fat." As you. <laughs> <laughs> like how's this gonna I get come it all out all the time from like middle aged women too? Usually, <laughs> uh, it's 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 pretty funny.
0: Was it weird going from LSU, where like you said, you're playing in front of eight to ten thousand people, packed house in Baton Rouge? I mean, every weekend. Um, was it weird to go into pro ball after that and start in, you know, rookie ball and playing in front of 150 people in the
1: middle of nowhere? You know, I think for guys like us that got to play in the Cape and guys that got to play summer ball, that's the best way to kind of... It's like a snapshot of what lower minor league ranks are. Because you, you get thrown into... Uh, a pot of a bunch of guys from different colleges say in summer ball that you don't really know you all have the baseball thing in common and so you kind of make it work and you get to know and create new relationships and that's to me was how the lower minor league ranks are you're not playing in front of a lot of people it's a bunch of guys you don't really know you know and you kind of make it work and Uh, you have host families a lot of times in the minor league, lower minor league levels. So that's kind of what it felt like to me those first couple years. Uh, but yeah, it was different. Uh, I mean LSU, you know, is a different uh, is a different animal with college baseball, no doubt. But yeah, the lower, you know, I made lifelong friends and those I still talk to today, and you know, been a lot of weddings from those first couple years in minor league baseball. You know, it kind of seems to happen, and uh, guys that I came up with, so I still talk to them a lot. And, you know, I, I actually like kind of came up and then went back down and then kind of came up again. Like I, I've got to see the basically know everybody in the Rockies organization there for about six years. Right. So, uh, so yeah, there's not really anybody that I don't know personally from those seven years with the Rockies.
0: And speaking of weddings, you got married when you were in the minor leagues, correct?
1: I did. Yeah. I got married in 2010. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We, me and Caroline. Yeah, just uh, just a poor minor leaguer. <laughs> yeah, you know, like trying mm-hmm. to make it work and uh, use whatever I had left from my signing bonus to to buy the ring and yep, and that was it.
0: No, same. Me and Ashley got married in 9 and when we were in right before our low A season. Mm-hmm. So she's seen. I feel like there's, are uh, definitely something to having a woman by your side who's seen all of the garbage that you go through in the minor leagues, and I kind of appreciates the struggle of where you're at now. I was, I was talking to Ashley the other day and we both still have this like minor league stigma kind of in our head that if something is like a big purchase and it's it's a lot of money, we still like can't wrap our minds around the idea of pulling the trigger Me on it. Me and
1: Carolina the exact same way. It's the exact same way. I don't like, know what I'm going to shake it, yeah. yeah, we haven't. Sh- yeah, from the 2011. Yeah, because like, so we, we got married in 2010 and 2011. I, I hadn't pitched for like, two and a half years uh, going into that 2011 season. And and so Caroline was like, hey, I, I want to come live with you wherever you play this year, if you make a team or however it goes, because I've never done that. I want to say that I did it at least once. Right. But I'm like, okay. And at the time, like, she had a marketing job in Baton Rouge and was by far the breadwinner of the two of us. You know, like, she's paying for dinners when we go out and things like that back then. And so... I ended up making going to Modesto and got, you know, off the uh, injured list and started to pitch. And and then, uh, you know, lo and behold, we get pregnant. I'm 26 or years old or 27 years old in high A and I was pitching really poorly. <laughs> you know, And she was waiting tables at a sports bar down the street, you know, so we were like. We were grinding. That was a <laughs> that, grind. That was a grind. You know? so was, we, yeah, so we we always look back on that year when we got back in the car and like drove home uh, at the end of that season. And I, I really, really thought like that was it. Like I was like, oh, no way, I'm not going to make a team next year. She's we're going to have our first kid in April. I, I needed to make more money than what I'm making now Correct. to support a kid and a family and stuff like that. So yeah, that was kind of the. That was a, a long 30-hour trip of contemplation uh, from Modesto, California, back to Eunice, Louisiana.
0: I feel like all of us who've been through the grind in the minor leagues have a story like There's that. a story. A story where you just, you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're like, go towards the light because mm-hmm. this is not, yeah. not going
1: to end well for us. Right, and when you're doing it for a few years, you know, and you see the way it works out with other guys, too, where yeah. you're like, I know the way this ends,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and... Not that I don't believe in myself, but it's so funny because from early on, too, in the minor leagues, I don't know how sure it was with the Mets, but like they tell you, like, hey, only like three guys out of every draft class make the big leagues. Correct. And you look at it, it's like, okay, well, the first rounder is definitely making it. Right. This other guy who's you know, a hitter who's raking, well, he's making it. And this other guy throws a hundred. So it's like, (laughs) how do I fit into this equation? You know, how is this going to work out for me?
0: I was an 18th rounder out of college and there were 11 right-handed college pitchers drafted ahead of me that year. And I'm like, well, I'll be the 12th. I'll be the 12th guy. Here we go.
1: Yeah. But you kind of start to see, you know, guys get hurt, guys, whatever. And it just kind of, you know, it, 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 when you look back on it now, you're like, okay, yeah, I see how I did it. But when you're in, when you're in the, the storm at the time, man, it's tough to see. It's tough to see a way out.
0: All right, so let's rewind a little bit. You talked about having to kind of go through the minor leagues and then kind of start again, and it's because you had an arm injury, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that because it can be hard enough trying to make it through level by level through one time, but to have to press reset again, especially at 24 25 years old and then crank it back up again mentally how did you like how did you handle that
1: yeah so like when i i i didn't i ended the 08 season injured in high a fast forward july of 09 i finally get tommy john and by that time i had done so much damage to my elbow that they went in and they did a lot of other stuff in there and um so now like I remember having the surgery. I remember calling Caroline. We weren't married at the time, but telling her like, yeah, like this could be it. Like getting the surgery, I knew they were going to do a micro and doing other things. And like, this could be the end of you know the line for me once I go into the knife to- tomorrow morning and uh, came out of the surgery. It was a success. But then like, I just couldn't get over the hump. I just rehabbed and rehabbed and what seemed like. For like two and a half years. Yeah. So finally, in the middle of 2011, I get to go back and pitch again. And you know, I've been an extended, you know, the previous two years. For two years for Two extended. years, full extended, full rehabs.
0: If you don't know anything about extended spring training, Give us a little snapshot of what extended it is so, like.
1: So like, <laughs> well, we went from Tucson, Arizona and at High Corbett, which was like the old, if you've ever seen Major League, that's where they filmed it. That's how <laughs> old this place was. And and so, uh, you know, you go, we went from that to Phoenix, but it's just every day you're waking up at 5.30, you're going to the field, you're doing your rehab. It's 110 in Arizona. And like for me, I wasn't pitching. So I would just go do my rehab and then, the t- actual team the you know now they have like the gcl teams and the azl teams they go and play a game well i would just have to go out there and either like do a chart be the bat boy or be on foul ball duty like every day just
0: watching a just lot just of watching baseball. Yeah, yeah
1: watching the same guys and in, and in tucson you only played arizona so like i'm just watching the you know the the young rockies team play the young arizona <laughs> team and and doing that every day for three months and then you know whatever whatever's doing that twice it was it was tough you know it's,
0: it's a rough it's kind of a bleak existence yeah you the, go back
1: to the hotel yeah. and you don't have anything to do so you're in a hotel room with a roommate waiting around till 5 30 the next day to go back to the field so right. uh yeah it's it, it's it's tough it's tough you know you get to know a lot of guys a lot of guys come through extended and you know, I got to meet in uh, in a lot of guys with the Rockies and stuff like that. But but yeah, it's it's you don't really see the end when you're when you're in that situation. Um, but luckily, got out 2011. So, yes, yeah, so you finally make it. Finally make yeah. it out. I was finally able, got healthy enough where I could actually pitch in games. Yes, and and so got out, went back to Modesto where I was in 2008. So three years earlier, I was already there mm-hmm. and pitched really poorly. It's a tough league to pitch in. Right. Tough league to pitch in. I'd had success, but now I'm three or four years older than everybody on the team. Right. And I'm pitching the worst I've ever pitched in my life. And was like, that was when the the ride home with Caroline, like I was saying before. And it was like, all right, well, you know, what do we do next? Baseball's fun. Right. But it's probably over. You know? Uh Uh-huh. And so go back home, trained. I actually was the first offseason I ever had where I actually could like try and get better because i wasn't injured because you could pitch yeah i could pitch right so i actually i played catch every day in a batting cage at the local high school by myself with a bucket of balls threw bullpens off their bullpen mound to just a net you know yeah but like i felt good my body felt good and my arm felt good and so went to spring training that year in 2012 with very low expectations and caroline was pregnant could have the baby at any point at this time. And I remember going to Jeff Breidich uh, in the middle of spring training and was like, hey, Jeff, am I going to make a team? Because if I'm not, I'm going to go home because I need to make money. Because spring training, we don't make any money. You make any money. So no money. So the money is running out. Right. right. About midway through spring training. I got nothing. Caroline's getting ready to have this baby. And Jeff's like, no, you're gonna, you're 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 making a team. You're gonna go to Double A, and I was like, sweet, yes. I was like, I made it. You know, like <laughs> that was like I made the big leagues. You get the Double when you're A. are in minor yeah. leagues, you all you th- everybody talks about is making Double A. That's right. Like Getting a, out of A, a Tulsa, ball, Tulsa, yeah. You know, get out of A ball. People get called up from Double A to the big leagues, so it's like you get that one step away. Right. So when he told me that, I was just like, wow, I made it. You know, <laughs> and was able to pitch really well in Double A that year. In 2012, uh, we had a really good team, a lot of big leaguers on that team in Tulsa, um, and got went up to AAA. And for me, I never thought about making the big leagues. Like, I, I I remember telling this sometime to somebody about, when I was in, like, Little League, all I wanted to do was play for my high school team. I wanted to play for Slotto High. I wanted to wear the green and white, be a Tiger. Like, those are the guys I looked up to. Right. And when I got to high school, all I wanted to do was play for LSU. Those are the guys I looked up to. Like I never had like a big league team or a big league player that like that's what I wanted to be. It was always just like the next level, mm-hmm. you know. And then when I got into LSU, what wasn't until my senior year when these teams started talking to me. I was like, oh, man, maybe I can play professional baseball. Like I hadn't really thought about it, yeah. you know. And then once I got into professional baseball, it was all about pitching well enough to go to the next level. And so when I finally got to AAA in 2012, it was like, wow, the next level is the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I never really thought about it. Right. So, yeah. But it was, you know, a weird, one of those, like, cliche stories where we had completely run out of money. Uh, and Caroline, well, I, had, I had I had had my my daughter already at this point. She was young, obviously. And we, she called me one night and was like, we were completely out of money, and she didn't have money to buy diapers. And so we had to call my uncle to borrow a couple hundred bucks so she could go to the store. Yep. And you know, she was crying on the phone that day. And that night is a night that I got called up to the big leagues. It's crazy. Crazy, the timing. It, it is
0: nuts how yeah. that happens. Yep. Golly. That, but it is like a kind of poetic thing in a way because you spend all these years grinding. You've got to do all of this extra work in the season and in the off season, both you and your wife have multiple jobs. And then bam, as soon as the, as soon as the money runs out.
1: yeah. And it was, it was like an overwhelming, like intimidating experience for me too, because I had never been to big league camp. Mm -hmm. I had never backed up any big league games. Right. So like, I don't know anybody. I don't know. I mean, I I didn't know anybody on the team. I don't know. I don't know the coaching staff. Like, so I walk in this dugout in San Francisco when I got called up and people are looking at me like, Who's this guy? Who, who are you? Yeah, like, who is this? You just, like, wear a name tag. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know y'all because I watch y'all on TV. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know y'all don't know who I am. Um. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I felt really kind of out of my league to start. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the whole people talk about now, like, rookies, like, you're pitching to, like, the back of people's baseball cards and not to the actual individual. And right. I, I, without a doubt, did that mm-hmm. as a rookie.
0: Do you remember facing somebody being, like, how am I supposed to get this guy out?
1: Oh, yeah. I'll say I'll never... Yeah, I remember facing Philadelphia and you facing, you know, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, and Ryan Howard, you know, and just being like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, these guys, like, are going to eat me alive. Yeah. You know, and they did a lot of the times. I really struggled about my rookie year because I just didn't... I didn't think that, you know, I didn't, didn't think I belonged, I guess. And yeah. So... You know, confidence goes a long way in sports, for sure. Especially in baseball, in baseball no right. doubt. Right, no doubt. especially, like, guys like, you know, you and I, like, not being the hardest throwers, we got to fake it. <laughs> you <laughs> no, know? You figure out what you're doing yeah, out there like, you quick. better, because it could, you know, it can get pretty deep pretty quick. My
0: coach in college always used to say, hey, you're going out there, and you don't know whether you're going to have a shotgun or an assault rifle or a pocket knife, but you got to fight with whatever you got. So, if you got a pocket knife... You better come out swinging. Yeah. And I that's feel like a, we've been doing that for years now.
1: That's a good analogy. I like that. But me and
0: you, we've kind of got this we've very similar stories once we got to the big leagues. Um, got there after a lot of a lot of time and tribulation in the minor leagues, um, but pitched really well in the minor leagues yeah. coming through and then got to the big leagues and struggled. Struggled. I, you struggled for a couple of years. Uh, went from the Rockies to... Uh, the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks yeah um i went from the mets to the rockies so we like just missed each other yeah, we did. Uh, in, in that little time period but then you pitched really well with arizona i remember cuz in, in 2014 i had gotten picked up by the astros and i was pitching with the astros and throwing the ball pretty well and you were pitching with uh with arizona and after that season i remember looking at the transactions and seeing your name pop up seeing you got claimed by waiver uh, claimed off waivers and me and obviously a lot of other people on your team and across baseball were like, why? Why did you get designated? Why is Arizona uh, kind of giving you up at this point because you had thrown the ball well, but we were lucky enough to claim you with the Astros.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of turnover in Arizona at that point. They had changed general managers. They were changing managers. You know, they they were – this is a lot of different things, changing farm directors. And so in that turnover, I just think they were – (laughs) looking to get guys in there that they wanted you know and me i was just kind of a casualty of that and i remember i I had a i had a buddy who was in the front office with the uh the marlins at the time i was working out in the off season and he's like uh he gives me a call and he's like hey man you're on waivers i was like what because i'd already been through the waiver process with colorado right and got picked up Arizona. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Go to a place. Got to pitch. You know, almost get two full years in the big leagues with Arizona. Pitch well. And uh, I'm like, really? I'm on waivers? And he's like, and They don't yeah. have to tell you. When you no, you don't they... have to tell me. He just right. so knew because he was in the front office. Right? Correct. So he was able to kind of give me a heads up. Like, hey, you're coming off today at 1 o'clock Eastern. So right. noon my time in Louisiana. So I'm sitting there in my kitchen in my house. And I'm like, all right. So I go work out and uh i you know let caroline know or you know let people, a couple of my buddies know or whatever family like hey i'm on waivers. so now it's like any i could be going anywhere Correct. 29 other teams and sure enough get a phone call from arizona and uh one of the i think it, i don't remember who it was assistant gm it wasn't it wasn't dave stewart who called me but just kind of told me hey i was you were claimed by houston you know best of luck or whatever and And I was like, all right. That's kind of weird, you know? (laughs) And I remember just kind of being like, I remember asking him, like, hey, like, why'd y'all put me on waivers, you know? And he kind of beat around the bush. He didn't really tell me. just kind of didn't really have anything for me, but just kind of like, look, man. like, if I was you, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, like, um, he's like, I'm I'm pretty sure, like, all 29 teams actually claimed you. (laughs) And I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know? So... Find out it's the Astros. So call Caroline. I'm like, hey, if you could pick anywhere for me to go play, where would it be? And she was like, I guess I'd pick Houston. I was like, well, believe it or not, we're going to Houston. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of worked. Another one of those situations where I, you know, and I tell guys this all the time. Like I told Tyler White the other day, I said, you know, when Tyler got designated, I said, look, man, a lot of us in here have been designated. Yep. Okay. A lot of us. And and I've been designated twice and both times or three times. And I said, and in in all three times it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. So, it's like you never know what's on the other end you know, of of what you've got coming. So uh, you know, don't 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 take it as a negative. Right. You know, just wait and let things play out. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, so it turned out great for me. And I go to spring training with Houston, thinking I'm gonna make the team, and then I get there and it's like I wasn't. I was not planning on making the team. And I make this joke all the time, but, you know, Josh Fields' hamstring is the reason why, <laughs> reason why I'm here. Appreciate it, Fieldsy. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. He pulled his hammy with like two days ago in spring training, and I got to make the team. And then just kind of, you know, realized my back was against the wall. And the second that he was going to get come off the DL, it probably was going to be my spot he was going to come after and was able to pitch well enough to where, you know, <clears throat> kind of the same thing I did in Arizona. When I got called up in Arizona, it was for J.J. his elbow. Yeah. And so usually on that, you're on on borrowed time, you know, in those kind of situations. You see the
0: writing on the wall. Yeah, Yeah. as
1: soon as this guy's coming off the 15-day or whatever it is, like, I'm going back to the minor leagues. Unless you can turn enough heads and make yourself important enough that they can't send you down. Right. And both of those cases, I was able to, like I said, timing and health. Like, the timing of me pitching really well allowed me to stay both times. So... You know, it worked out.
0: And now I have a couple numbers for you. Since coming to the Astros, you are top 25 in all of baseball among relievers in war and innings pitched, 15th in ERA, you're top six all time in Astros relief appearances. You were an All Star in 2016 Mm -hmm. and a World Series champion in 2017, and scheduled to go into free agency this offseason. Yeah. I'm sure all of which, when you were in the minor leagues, didn't think about, no. just, just get to the next level. Just no, get to the next level. No, that's, it. that's um, it. But looking back now, it's been able to put together, you know, quite a run, quite a career.
1: Yeah, I'm lucky enough, man, to get the opportunity in Houston to play in the golden era of Astros baseball is something I don't really take lightly, you know, like just what we've been able to accomplish the last five years and right. hopefully can we can, you know, build on this year is – is incredible to the you know like i said the timing of it just to be able to come over and and, and be a part of what we've been a part of here and I'm, i tell people all the time me and you had a conversation in spring training i don't know if you remember it in 2015 we were in the outfield shagging in kissimmee florida in spring training i've only been there maybe three weeks mm-hmm. and it's towards the end of spring training and guys are hitting taking bp and we're shagging and i remember us talking about like I think we're going to be pretty good this year. Yeah. Like, it just felt different. Like, the guys, the vibe, the clubhouse, like, everybody got along. Mm -hmm. Like, the talent we had kind of brought in, it it just looked like we were going to be better than what people were giving us credit for.
0: I feel like George Springer was hitting BP. We're sitting, we're talking, hitting tanks, and we're like, we've got some we got some dudes. We got, got some here. dudes. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And you we, and and you kind of looked around, and both you and I had played for other organizations, you know. Yeah. So like we knew, you know,
0: like I knew what a bad team looked like. <laughs> right.
1: So did I. Yeah. You know. And and I knew what a pretty darn good team looked like. We had in Arizona in 2013. Yeah. And so I, I just remember thinking, like, I don't know what the American League is about. I've never been in the American League, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't see us like losing a lot of games. You right. know, and. Uh, and then we came out that that April and like set a franchise record or whatever for wins right, right out of the gates and it was like, all we got to do is play 500 baseball from here on out and we're in the playoffs. Right. And lo and behold, you know, we did. First time in 10 First years. First time yeah. in 10 years. And so, but but it's just funny, the vibe you can get just from the guys, you know, just from like a clubhouse. Right. Just like in 17, like you,
0: like we just all knew, like we just all knew. that. I, I remember McCann came over and we were talking and he was like, yeah, you just, you can feel it. You can feel it when you're in a clubhouse and it's not just like, oh, guys are having fun, guys are loose, guys are playing well. There's just something different about Mm -hmm. like an unspoken confidence like, of of course we're going to do it. Yeah. Of course we're going to win.
1: And every other team that we've ever been on from the Little Leagues, Summer Ball, whatever it is, like all have sprinkles of that. Yeah. Like I can think back to the teams that I was on, like Cape Cod Championship team or you know, national runner-up team I was on in, in summer ball in high school, like, we had that same kind of feeling, you know, where guys just wanted to hang out with one another. Right. Wanted to have conversations. Like, genuinely cared about individuals on the team. And that just goes, man, to another level. That's yeah.
0: where yeah. analytics kind of falls
1: short. And, without a doubt. Yeah, it doesn't, it just doesn't factor in the human element of things but yeah and we we had it and but 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 it started in 2015 though right. you know and that's the thing like the 17 team won the world series i get it but it started in 2015 right you know and and i and i i always tell people that like not to like toot our horn or whatever but to say that it changed it flipped then yeah you know and then you saw the fruit of that you know 2 years later
0: yep and A, you know aj's been there since 15 he's been uh, kind of at the head of it since we got there. And I remember in 14 when, you know, Bo Porter was there and we were still really young and we'd just come off three hundred loss seasons in a row and we won seventy-four games, I think, that year, mm-hmm. and felt like the best team on the planet. We're yeah. like, we are so good. We won 74 games. So start like just starting a trend of not expecting to lose every day and then getting into a point in 15 where, like you said, we bring in a couple guys who have some experience winning, have some experience on winning teams are a little bit more talented than the guys we had before. And all of a sudden, like things just start to click a little bit. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's been a good run. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) We were talking about this the other day, you know, the guys who come up now, I feel like all of them throw a hundred miles an hour. They're all huge. They're all like this game. Feels like it has passed us by in yeah. so many ways from oh, a pitching yeah. perspective.
1: I, I'm vocal about it all the time. Like, I'm in the bullpen. I'm like, I don't know what I'm still doing here. Like, every time some new guy <laughs> runs out from the opposing bullpen that none of us have ever heard of and he's lighting up 98 99s on the school board, I'm just like, this game's passed me up, man. This game has passed me up. But, I wouldn't,
0: I would for sure have not gotten drafted if this year was the draft and I was my, you know, 20 year old self throwing 89 to 90 miles an hour from a mm-hmm. tiny NAIA school. Your boy's not playing baseball, right? I'm doing something else. Yeah. Um, Ken, kind of a question for you, uh, that we kind of ask most guys, if baseball wouldn't have worked out for you, what would you see yourself doing?
1: You know, I, I asked myself that question a lot because I always think about what I'm going to do post baseball. So like, right. I, I, I really honestly, I don't know. I, the easy answer is like coaching, but I don't think I would have wanted to have coached. No. You know, I think I probably maybe would have got into it because the only thing I really knew was baseball. Right. You know, um, but I I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being around people and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that kind of would have fit into that mold a little bit. But but I really don't know. I really don't know. You know, I'm just really glad that I'm a dad. Right. right? You know, that's kind of like my thing that I really enjoy the mm-hmm. most of my life is, is being a father and a husband. So... You know, so getting to spend time with my kids. But, you know, I, I, I've wrestled with that a lot because I think, you know, I'm 30, almost 35, and, like, you know, I'm not playing forever. And so like, what am I going to do when I'm done? Right. And I haven't figured that out yet. Like, I'm just kind of hoping I'm hoping somebody calls me with something <laughs> I want to do because <laughs> I don't know who to call.
0: Right. I Me and Ashley had a running joke when we were, uh, like, early on in the minor leagues. She was like, you're gonna go back to school and finish your degree, right? And I was like, Well, yeah, probably, but like, what would it take for me not to have to finish my degree? Like, how how long do you think I'd have to play in the big leagues before you would say, All right, you don't have to finish your degree? Mm-hmm. She was like, Well, until you could walk into a room and somebody knows who you are, that probably then. And I was like, Okay, so like three years?
1: <laughs> yeah. Like three and a half. This media coverage is getting better <laughs> yeah, these days. <laughs> we got to three and
0: a half years in the big leagues, and I, I told her I was like, not going to college anymore. Yeah. And then four years later I was like, I should probably go back to college.
1: Yeah. I had a go- lot of bad jobs. I mean, yeah. like in the minor leagues, man, I was, you know, I worked for my uncle's company in the off seasons and was they called me a day porter, but that's just another name. For me, and I was just a janitor, just a grunt, you know, picking up cigarette butts and cleaning toilets and changing light bulbs and so cleaning up construction sites, anything that's it. not that is like is uh, is better. It's a plus. It's, it's, it's a plus. You know, like I quit so many times. Like I remember one <laughs> off I went home and I went back, like hat in hand. You know, I I quit this off before because I would he paid me good money. I'm making like ten bucks an hour or whatever. You know, so for me, I was making way more in the off season than I was in minor league Correct. baseball. Correct. So. You know, but trying to train and work out and stuff, like they'd be flexible with my hours. Like so I'd go, go into work at like six thirty and then I'd leave at like eleven thirty to go do all my workouts and everything and I put all and then I'd go back to work from like two thirty to six thirty, you know? So I'd still get my eight hour uh eight, nine hour days in or whatever. Um, and he would allow they allow me to do that because I was Ted Terrell's nephew right. or whatever, you know. But uh but yeah, I get to the point like in January, or February, I was like, I've had enough. Like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just, I would get to my wits end with with the job, you right. know, and throw myself pity parties and think, oh, you know, I'm better than this, you know, whatever. And uh, and I'd quit. So I remember one season, I went in there, and I went his office, I'm like, Ted, man, I need a job. And he goes, <laughs> Well, I'll give you one but you have to sign a contract that says that you're not going to quit before February 1st. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, I'll do it. You know, I got to make money. And so, uh, so yeah, signed a contract and was back, you know, we're being a day porter and, you know, picking up trash and stuff like that, cleaning windows. But yeah, it was cool, man. It was like, it was a definite, like, I grew a lot from all that. Like, to fall back on all that and realize... You know, I did all that. I mean, I remember one day I'll go to office buildings, right? Downtown Baton Rouge. I remember one day the trash people didn't come overnight. So I had to push this giant, you know, wheel trash thing around all the law offices in this one building in City Plaza. And I remember going to this one guy's office being like, hey, sir, you know, you're here to collect your trash. They didn't come last night. And like, he has like my baseball card from LSU on his wall. No <laughs> way. My, this guy probably thinks like, man, Will Harris is a criminal or something, you know, like you know, whatever. And it's like, no, man, like it's it was cool, like, but uh, but yeah, that was that was a, a neat day. That was cool.
0: There's nothing like doing a job you really hate to make you appreciate.
1: Yeah. Bad days in baseball. No doubt, no doubt about it. I mean, I had I had a lot of bad days at work. Mm-hmm. You know, and. And to, to have this one, it's yeah. Perspective is everything. I tell people that all the time. Like the key to professional athletes and professional sports is keeping the right perspective as much as you can is uh, is 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 a major major key.
0: Now, a bad day as a pitcher in the major leagues can be unique, uh, and and I've been a starter now as a reliever the last couple of years. Um, it's different though. As a, a bad day as a starter. Is, is a bad day. You're pitching once every five days. The spotlight's on you. You go out, you pitch great, the media talks to you. You go out, you pitch terrible, the media talks to you. As a reliever, it's different. Mm-hmm. If you pitch great, nobody says a word to you. It's, great job, little pat on the butt, go get him, go get him again tomorrow. If you pitch poorly, that's when, that's when the media talks to you. It's just kind of the nature of the job in baseball. And I talked with Sean Doolittle a little bit about it, because, you know he's been doing it for a while as well, and uh, it sometimes it feels unfair. It feels like, you know, the the NFL offensive lineman or the NFL kicker, the guy who you just ex- expect the guy to get the job done, right. and when they don't, that's when kind of the spotlight is shown on you. Um, and your experience, and now as a reliever for a, a lot of games in the big leagues, a lot of games in Houston, how do you how do you deal with that kind of disparity between? I don't know. I don't know how to how else to put it other than like the disparity and glory between right. What
1: some the guys get, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so I think for me, the way that I've come to grips with it is, I know already. You know, it's unfair. Yep. Okay. You know that going in, <laughs> and you still show up to the field every day to pitch. Right. right. You know, like you're still doing it. So I've always felt that way. That like, if you know something going in, and you know, you know the playbook and you're still out here doing it. Yeah. Well, then it's kind of on you then to face the music or whatever you want to say, you know? So like, but yeah, I always make the joke all the time. Like, you know, if you give up runs, so as a reliever, you know, you just, Got to hang around your locker a little bit longer after the game than yep. you normally do. You just sit around, and sit around and wait, because see know if somebody coming. wants to come talk to you. Right, yep. a normal day you wouldn't never do that. So no, you
0: pitch great, you throw a one, two, three inning, you strike out good. the side. Yeah, I'm gonna go yeah. crack my beer. I'm gonna go sit in the clubhouse and
1: do whatever. Yeah, but they about you're it. Bad. It's like you kind of linger a little bit, and mm-hmm. look for our, you know, our public relations guys or whatever. Be like, hey, uh, he's like, yeah, they want to talk to you today. And it's like, yeah, I figured. Of course they do. That's the way it goes. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we like you go through it enough times. Where you you understand it now, and there's days like we're all not the same guy every single day. So there's some days when you're way more pissed off than you were right than maybe two weeks ago when you mm-hmm. blew it, or maybe you've blown a couple in a row. Yeah, you know, or it, which is we've all done. That right? was me the, the other about day. To say it's gonna happen, and so so it's like, damn, like I gotta just answer all these same stupid freaking questions again. I just answered them yesterday, guys. Like they're gonna be the exact <laughs> same, like. I sucked, <laughs> you know, like I didn't do my job today. Right, uh, I'm gonna get them next time or whatever. And and you understand, like they have a job to do also. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's like I said, you know that going in, right? You know it going in, so you're still signing up. I still want to pitch in the big leagues. I still yeah. want to be a reliever, even though that's a part of it. It's just just a crappy part of it, you know, that yep. you got to deal with and move on.
0: If you know that going into it. You're right. You can put your name on the list and
1: say, yeah, I still want that job. 100%. That, that's, why I've, that's why I've always felt about it. It's yep. like, knowing that uh, does not change my mind. I'm still really wanting to pitch in the big leagues this year and next year and the year
0: after. <laughs> so, playing on a lot of different teams, playing with a lot of different relievers, you've played with some older guys, who have been around a long time, mm-hmm. played with some young guys. Are there any relievers out there who have given you pieces of advice where you're like, I am not forgetting this?
1: Yeah. So, I'll never forget in colorado when i was really struggling uh as a rookie and kind of back to that whole like playing philadelphia and all these other teams and i'll never forget like giving up a bunch of runs and just being really down in the dumps and really like feeling sorry for myself and feeling like i don't belong i remember matt reynolds came up to me he was a left-handed reliever who i actually went on and played with in arizona and he told me he goes man this game will never stop coming after you. If today you got to face Jimmy Rollins, Chase Sutley, and Ryan Howard and they get you, well, guess who you got to face again tomorrow? Chase Sutley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard. Oh, you know, yeah. like it ne- it's never gonna quit coming after you. So like if you're too busy looking behind you at what happened yesterday, like it's gonna catch you. You know, it's gonna get, so, you, get, yeah. it's gonna get you again. And so I've always thought about that. Like the big leagues, professional sports, like it's so hard and it's so difficult and everybody's so good and it's so competitive that if you're worried about what happened yesterday, especially as a reliever, then you're not setting yourself up to be as successful today, you know? And and so that's kind of what I always try and do, you know? It's just no matter what happens, like, i I know I'm a competitor. I'm gonna compete as hard as I can and and that's it. Like I'm at Wade Miley too. I love him to death. And Wade's like remember from Arizona days, he'd be like, man, you know, it's gonna be a good day or a bad day. Like, let's go find out. Yep. Like that's it. Like everything else I'm doing around here before it don't matter. I'm gonna go out there in the mound. And it's either gonna I'm either gonna do my job or I'm not. Right. Let's just get to it and let's go find out. <laughs> and I've always yeah. like cause that 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 when it comes down to it. That's it. That's as cut and as dry as it is, right then and there. As as a pitcher. It's like, I'm either going to do my job or I'm not. Yep. And let's go find out.
0: (laughs) That's where kind of like the, um, I don't want to call it, I guess it is, a superstition comes in with a lot of players because you do have to go do the same job every day. And a lot of times... If you do a a good job, you think back and say like, all right, what did I do to prepare to do this good job? And maybe those those are the things that made me do this good job. Mm -hmm. But it's really refreshing to see guys like you and guys like Wade who don't subscribe to that at all. Like You almost on purpose do something different every day so that you don't have an excuse at the end of the day to say, wow, it wasn't me. It was this. Right. You really do have to kind of look yourself in the face at the end of the day and be a good self-evaluator and be like, yeah, I was I was pretty horseshit today.
1: Yeah. I think that's the mental hurdle. So like I have conversations with, with with young players and they'll ask me about like how I prepare or how I throw in the bullpen or what I do. And I'm like, man, there's some days where I'm in the bullpen and like I suck. I'll just quit throwing because it's like there's no point. Like all I'm doing is beating myself up more mentally you know and physically for what? I can get more mad before I go out there or have yeah. less confidence, you know. And so or days where you don't feel as good, your arm, body, whatever, and you go out there and you still perform at the same level. Like that's a that's a mental hurt. you got over it. Now you know that like hey, you don't have to throw for 40 pitches in the bullpen. Maybe it only takes takes 4. Maybe, you know, but you don't know. And so I think getting over that and getting over those hurdles of, like, you don't have to do the exact same thing every single day to perform. Right. Because you don't perform great every day. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you did the same stuff you did today, yesterday. When you pitched good, today you pitched like crap. right Like, yep.
0: I'm not going to change my undershirt this time and change right. my undershirt next time. So, guy, I was the it's just a fault.
1: mental like hurdle that you can get. And as relievers, too, like we don't know when the phone's going to ring. We don't know what's going to be us. Yeah. We don't know. We try and prepare as well as we can mentally. We try and be as limber and as loose as we can physically so when the phone rings, we can get ready in a timely manner and go out there and perform. And in that environment, it's really hard to do the same thing. Like, right. we're not in control of hardly any of that stuff. So, so. So to try to be, I think, is nearly impossible. Right. And once you learn that, hey, I have did five different things this month to get ready and all five of them worked out, then you can kind of realize like, okay, like it has more to do between my ears and me telling myself I'm ready than it is anything I'm doing physically.
0: It's true. It's extremely true. And that's probably the biggest thing I've had to learn getting to the bullpen from the rotation is, yeah, you don't really have anything else to rely on. You can't. Rely on the routine of things. You can't rely on, well, I've done this before in the past and it's worked. Um, it really is. The phone rings and everybody turns their head and looks and says, Is it gonna be me? Your heart starts racing a little bit, your hands start sweating a little bit. Mm-hmm. You start thinking, okay, which three guys are in the lineup are right now, or who am I gonna be up for? And then they look at Will and they say, Will, you're up. Yeah. You do that right. Every just, day. Yeah, every day.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, it's true. <laughs> which is good though, because like then like for me, you know, there's no. No anticipation. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Like I'm going to the ballpark to know, knowing that I'm pitching. Correct. I don't know when, I don't know who I'm facing, but like I'm pitching today. Yep. So it's all good. You know, like <laughs> and like and the, the Wade Miley approach is like today's gonna be a good day or a bad day. Right. I know I'm pitching. So and then if I don't happen to pitch tonight, then it's like, oh, okay. Well, I'll be in there tomorrow. I'll be in there tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it takes away the anxiety, yeah. you know? And so uh it's a it's a cool way to do it. All right,
0: two more questions, yeah. and we'll, we'll finish up here. But um, you've got a loud voice. You've always had a loud voice. Yeah, You've got a notoriously like powerful, booming voice that in the bullpen and in the clubhouse is noticeable. You probably don't get away with whispering too many things. Is there a point in time that you remember in your life where you've your loud voice has gotten you in trouble?
1: Oh, my God. Dude, junior high, I remember one year in <laughs> seventh grade, I think I got like... 40 detentions for like talking in class because i'm like how they're just talking regularly how the hell does she hear me (laughs) you know it's like you know she's doing her powerpoint thing and you know we're cutting up and it's just like will another you know writes me detention slip i'm like what the frick is going on you know but yeah for sure i knew from an early age like i didn't have the ability to talk low and i got a lot of detentions in junior <laughs> high but it always just for talking you know this innocent stuff yeah just normal yeah just normal stuff but yeah i've always had a voice that carried and i catch myself too sometimes talking i'm like whoa i'm yelling i'm, like, I'm sorry <laughs> you know? so you're just good to have my wife like nudge me and be like hey bring it down you know bring it down a little bit I'm like, all right especially when i started getting excited but yeah i've always had a voice that just seems to carry above you know, crowd noise pretty easily.
0: No, you're a producer's dream. Don't, don't really have to (laughs) mic you up that hard. We know we're going to get the feed.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. I'd say you have one of the most badass walkout songs in all of baseball. It is Johnny Cash. The man comes around. Mm -hmm. It's great. You can hear it. The guitar starts strumming. You start running in. It's just, it really gets to me. It's the, it's the best one. I think whatever streaming service you use, Spotify, iTunes, Mm -hmm. Whether you put on a record or put on a CD, whatever it was, what was the last music you listened to on purpose?
1: The last, so I listened to on purpose on my way home. I'll put in slightly stupid radio on Pandora. Yeah. It's just like a feel good, like end of my day when I'm heading home. If the day was good, if the day was bad, if I didn't pitch or whatever, it's like, and for us too as players, I feel like, when my buddies, like when I call them or stuff, they always know I'm in my truck mm-hmm. because that's kind of like my 30 minutes there, my 30 minutes back, or pretty much the only 30 minutes that I'm when, – when we're at home, Yeah, I, when I'm in my truck, when I'm by myself. Correct. And so on the road, it's different. On the road, we have time in the mornings and stuff like that. But at home, it's like, you know, but no, I want to spend time with my kids. I want to spend time with my wife. Right. Like, I want to do all these things. I want to have my phone. I want to be making phone calls. And when I go to the field, I'm obviously at work and I'm doing my whole thing. So, my drives are really important to me. Right. When we're at home. So, my drive home is my, like, you know, reflect, come down or whatever on my 30-minute drive home. And so, a little bit of reggae, a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of feel good on the way home – puts me in the right frame of mind when I get home
0: that's fantastic I didn't know if it was gonna be some country music
1: I, didn't know it was I do I have a rap. lot of country you're very eclectic you got a very eclectic I taste I try to listen to everything I try to relate to everybody in the clubhouse you know that's the way that you gotta this do it very relatable <laughs> yeah you gotta be relatable
0: oh man well Will thank you so much for being here it's been a blast it's been a pleasure hopefully we can do it again
1: good convo man I enjoyed it
0: best of luck this year best of luck in free agency moving forward and uh, yeah we'll catch all you guys soon I appreciate it bye bye